What do we need to see ahead of cut down day for the Buccaneers? I break all of that down and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into this Tuesday episode of Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Don't forget you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow on Twitter. I am James Yarko at JYarko underscore Bucks. I am a credentialed member of the media covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the deputy editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com. We are here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, we want to share our appreciation for your continued support of the show. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed on today's episode of locked on bucks the buccaneers are making a roster move that i mentioned uh should happen on yesterday's episode but first we need to talk about the upcoming cut down day nfl teams have to be down to their initial 53-man roster as of a week from today or A week from Tuesday, for those of you not listening or viewing on the day this show comes out. And if that's the case, why aren't you? Join the rest of the everydayers. Watch or listen to the show as soon as it drops. Um, But there are a few questions that the Bucks need to answer before then. And most importantly, to me anyway, it's the trenches. Now, David and I talked a lot about the trenches, both on the offensive and defensive side of the football on yesterday's episode. If you missed that, go back, check it out. We do dive into that a little bit. But first and foremost, the Buccaneers need to know Ryan Jensen's status. We can all safely assume that he isn't going to be ready for week one, probably not going to be ready for week two. We may be looking at multiple weeks, possibly even multiple months before Ryan Jensen returns to the lineup. And David and I have kind of gone off that assumption for some time. But the question is, who is going to be starting for him? If it's Robert Hainsey, which I believe it will be, Hainsey got a lot of reps last year as the starting center. But if it is Robert Hainsey, Nick Leverett's versatility opens the door for a couple of offensive linemen to be on the chopping block. We know that Leverett can play across the line, so that gives the Buccaneers depth across the board with just one guy. They can afford to cut you know, an extra guard or an extra tackle if it comes down to it because they know Leverett provides depth behind the starter at that position. However, if Leverett is the starting center in Jensen's absence, the Bucs may need to carry an extra offensive lineman more than they originally planned because Hainsey does not offer the same versatility across the offensive line that Nick Leverett does. So now you're going to keep on a guy like, let's say, 
uh, Raekwon O'Neal. Okay, just for an example, because Hainsey can't bounce outside to tackle. He can play center. He can play guard. He's not going to the ends of the line to play tackle. So that requires the Buccaneers to potentially carry an extra guy at that position to provide the depth. Now, that means, in turn, the Buccaneers are going to lose another guy that would be depth at a different position. So let's say, again, totally for an example, I'm not predicting that this will happen, just giving you kind of a what-if sort of example. If the Bucs want to keep six wide receivers, they may only end up being able to keep five because they have to keep that extra offensive tackle. So instead of Rakeem Jarrett making the initial 53-man roster and being a guy that you can put on the field, you can run some gadget plays for, he's shown some flashes, I believe he's earned a spot on this roster. Now all of a sudden the Buccaneers are going to keep Kalen Geiger as the number five receiver because of what he offers on special teams. He's not as impressive as Devin Tompkins on special teams, but he is a punt returner. He is a kick returner. Rakeem Jarrett has really not had the opportunity or potentially he doesn't have the ability to fill in at that spot. So, you know, is, is that, you know, all of you listening, all of you watching on YouTube, let me know. Is that a good example? Do you understand what I'm saying here? That, establishing who that starting center is out of the gate because of Jensen's injury is going to have a trickle-down effect as to what the Buccaneers are able to do come cut-down day when it comes to their initial 53-man roster. And yes, if they cut uh, Rakeem O'Neal, that may mean that he ends up on the practice squad and they still get to utilize him. They can call him up if they need him. But you start to see how this picture develops by putting these guys at risk that you may not want to put at risk because you're having to keep an extra depth guy because of Hainsey's lack of versatility compared to that of Nick Leverett. So, you know, you, you start to go down that rabbit hole of player A getting the start and it having the ripple effect down the roster versus player B uh, you know, doing, doing the same thing. So we know the offensive line hasn't looked great through two preseason games, but we have yet to see more than two official starters play in either of these preseason games. Hainsey or Leverett is going to end up being a quote-unquote official starter, but we know who the official starting center is. It's going to be Ryan Jensen once he's healthy. So if they're rotating these linemen, rotating these centers the same way that they're switching in and out the quarterbacks during this quarterback competition, there's going to be issues building that trust, building that chemistry for this team well into the regular season. This is not a plug-and-play situation where everything's going to go off without a hitch if the first time that, for argument's sake, the starting offensive line is Werfs, Filer, Hainsey, Gedeke, and, and Malk, if the first time that these five guys actually play together is week one against the Minnesota Vikings, that's going to be a problem. So either name this starter during training camp ahead of the Ravens game this coming weekend, or if you're still trying to decide, the only option you have is that you have Worfs, Filer, Malk, and Gedeke out there while Baker is out there 
and while Kyle Trask is out there and both Robert Hainsey and Nick Leverett get an opportunity to play with the other four members of the starting offensive line. That's the only way to judge it. If we go into this game and we see the starting offensive line has Robert Hainsey at center, then you have Werfs and Filer, you have Malk and you have Gedeke. And then when they make the switch over to Kyle Trask, they start putting in some backups, whatever the case may be. And you see Robert Hainsey come out along with Werfs, along with Filer, along, you know, Gedeke and, and Malk, they may continue to play with the second team just because they need to continue to get the reps. But if you see Hainsey leave the same time that Werfs and Filer do, boom, it's a done deal. Robert Hainsey's going to be your starter. But it would be better to know what that starting five is going into this game rather than having to wait until after the game and seeing these guys have to continue to play with a revolving door of replacements along the offensive line. What other questions need to be answered ahead of next week? That is coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to have. I just landed some club-level seats for my son and I to go see the Tampa Bay Lightning take on the Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus in November, and these tickets were easily one of the best deals I have ever gotten on not just Lightning tickets, but any tickets to a sporting event ever, period. That is no joke. Game time is the place for last minute tickets. The game time guarantee means that you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Every dayers, be sure that you check in tomorrow. We have the return of Evan Klosky for WTSP Wednesday. Plenty for Evan to catch up on regarding the state of the Buccaneers. But I have a couple more things that I want to talk about need that need to be resolved ahead of cut down day. And the next question to me is the running back situation. Maybe I was wrong. Or maybe Todd Bowles told another big old fib when he spoke to the media. But based off of how they played in the first preseason game and the vibes that we were getting during the second preseason game, I assume that Chase Edmonds had locked in the RB2 spot on this roster behind Rashad White. Bowles said Edmonds was a little sore, so he sat out. Now, I still believe, regardless of Todd Bowles' comment, that the Buccaneers depth chart has Rashad White, number one, Chase Edmonds, number two. But there are four other backs on this team, and only two of them are going to make it through cuts and onto the initial 53-man roster. I said my piece on Keyshawn Vaughn. If you didn't hear it, 
Go back and listen to the live reaction episode that I had following the Jets game. I talked about it a little more on the Monday episode that I did with David. But look, I like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn a lot. He's just not performing well enough for me to be comfortable with the Buccaneers naming him the running back three. So you take a look at what Sean Tucker has done. And Sean Tucker has played behind the same line and outperformed Keyshawn Vaughn by a long shot. So I think Tucker is going to end up your running back three. But that leaves Keyshawn Vaughn along with Patrick Laird and Ronnie Brown for that fourth running back spot. And again, both Laird and Brown have appeared to be better and more efficient than Keyshawn Vaughn has, but this isn't an apples-to-apples comparison. They have been behind different lines and against different competition. By the time we've seen Ronnie Brown or Patrick Laird take the field, we're now working on a combination of second and third stringers, combinations of third stringers and bubble guys. Like This isn't the same type of alignment that we've seen Keyshawn Vaughn on the field with. So if I'm Todd Bowles and Dave Canales, I'm giving White and Edmonds their time with the first unit. And then maybe a little bit of Sean Tucker, but mostly the remaining three guys have to spend time with the second unit. Laird, Brown, Vaughn all need to have their snaps with the second team. This has to be an apples-to-apples apples comparison among the remaining three guys. Tucker's a lock. I firmly believe not only is he a lock to me for the RB3 spot, but I'm still maintaining that by week eight, he's going to be the RB2. We've seen some really solid things out of Tucker. They were really excited about him as an undrafted free agent, gave him guaranteed money to make sure he was on this team. But the other three guys, they have to have the same offensive line. They have to face the same competition to see who really is going to take the reins and secure that final roster spot among the running back group. Is it possible that Ronnie Brown or Patrick Laird make their case to be the RB4 and Keyshawn Vaughn ends up on the practice squad? Absolutely. Is it also possible that I'm being too harsh on Keyshawn Vaughn given what we've seen from him in the past in terms of flashes of what he can do that just haven't come to fruition quite yet this preseason? Also absolutely possible. There's no doubt about that. But finally, I want to talk about the cornerbacks. Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, boom, locked, loaded, number one corner, number two corner. But much like the running backs, no one is jumping out and really solidifying themselves as the surefire slot corner on the defense. You take Zion McCollum, who has made some really, really impressive plays through two games of the preseason, but he's made just as many impressively bad plays throughout the preseason. And then you have D Delaney, who again, he's had some solid plays. He's also been shaky at times. So Delaney has the edge here in terms of starting experience, regular season experience, and playing in Todd Bowles' defense longer than Zion McCollum. But the Buccaneers drafted McCollum for a reason, right? We've seen the athleticism that he can put on display, like with that interception that he made against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a phenomenal, brilliant, 
heads up play by Zion McCollum. But in the same game, he was responsible for not one, but two different Steelers touchdowns. He has to be able to tighten that stuff up. Both of these players need an opportunity against the Baltimore Ravens to be on the field with the first unit. We need to see again, apples to apples comparison as to who fits better with the starting defense as that slot corner. We know D Delaney has done it in the past. He hasn't been great or Zion McCollum wouldn't have this opportunity, but he's been good enough to warrant the respect that he's getting in this competition. Now, the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles, Jason Light may say, you know what? Zion took his lumps last year when he got on the field. He's been taking his lumps in, in training camp and preseason. But the only way we're going to see him fulfill his potential with how intelligent and how athletic he is is by putting him out there, baptism by fire, he has to take his lumps in the regular season. That could potentially cost the Buccaneers points. Um, you know, by the opposing team, you have points allowed, yards allowed, could cost them an opportunity to get off the field on third down if he's making some of these mistakes. But you have to hope and you have to trust that he's going to take those mistakes. He's going to learn for them, from them. He's going to improve his performance and he's going to get better as a starting slot corner. Or on the flip side, you have D. Delaney, who has done it before, who we know can do it, and maybe his upside isn't as high, but the risk isn't as high either. You have Josh Hayes, you have Anthony Chelsea, you have Keenan Isaac, Don Gruder, or Don Don Gardner. They just claimed Rodarius Williams off of waivers from the New York Giants. These guys are all going to be in the mix for depth and for special teams. But we need to see the full-blown competition between Zion McCollum and D. Delaney along with the starting unit to see who's really going to emerge as the, the slot corner that is going to start for this defense week one against the Minnesota Vikings. And I know I've said this phrase a half a dozen times on this podcast so far. I'm going to say it one more time. You have to have on these incredibly important position battles where you're trying to solidify your starting 22 for the Buccaneers in week one, you have to have that apples to apples comparison to get a true gauge and a true idea as to who's really going to be able to get that job done. We do know the one position battle that's already been decided, and I answer a question before any of you can even ask it. That's next Next on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft like I am this coming weekend or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. Looking for a player to take in fantasy football drafts who will spark his new team's offense and also help you speed to victory? Then use a luxury pick on Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley. Ridley has looked sleek during his first camp in Jacksonville, 
and ready to rev up again after his time in Atlanta, taking full advantage of riding with riser Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, rotors, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what parts you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank up the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check mark, get the right parts, the right price, the right fit at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. things up here on a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. James Yarko, deputy editor of BucksNation.com at JRCO underscore Bucks on Twitter. The Buccaneers made a roster move on Monday afternoon, waving kicker Rodrigo Blankenship and effectively ending the kicker competition. David and I uh, talked about this on Monday's episode in the stash it or trash it. My trash it was the kicker competition. We knew that Chase McLaughlin had outperformed Blankenship for the most part in training camp. It was a semi-close competition, but all in all, McLaughlin was the more reliable, more steady kicker. And then in the preseason games, Blankenship, two brutal misses against the New York Jets. One was from 55, and I said it in the post-game live reaction episode. A little more forgiving on that one. You cannot miss a 32-yarder. You just can't. It's not like there were swirling winds. There wasn't a storm. There wasn't anything like that. You've got to make those kicks. And I've said it before. I like Rodrigo Blankenship. I was really, really excited about the opportunity that he was getting after recovering from that injury. Unfortunately, it's not going to work out with the Buccaneers. I hope he catches on somewhere. I wish him nothing but the best in, in his career moving forward. I hope he gets the opportunity to return to form because he really was a lot of fun to watch with the Indianapolis Colts. He was really reliable. Then the injury bug hit. He just hasn't quite been the same since. But speaking of Rodrigo Blankenship and his former team, I have to touch on this now before it pops up on social medias, before it pops up in the YouTube comments, before I'm getting DMs and emails and things like that. And I'd like to think that that we have a very reasonable level-headed, educated listener and viewer base for the Locked On Bucks podcast. A lot of you have been with us from the very beginning. We appreciate all of you. A lot of you, I've seen the, the subscribe numbers go up. I've seen the podcast numbers go up. I know a lot of you are starting to tune in now that the season is ramping up, but I have to say this just in case there's anyone out there asking the question to YouTube or to their their cell phone or or their car, whatever's playing the podcast. 
Yes, Rodrigo Blankenship's former teammate and Indianapolis Colts running back, Jonathan Taylor, has been granted permission to seek a trade. No, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should not pursue a trade for Jonathan Taylor. And I know you're sitting there saying, James, are you out of your freaking mind? Two years ago, he was one of the most electric players in the NFL and should have been given more MVP consideration considering he was probably the most valuable player to any football team in the NFL the way he put the Colts on his back and got them to the postseason. I get it. I understand how good Jonathan Taylor is. But there is a multitude of reasons that the Buccaneers should not pursue a trade for Taylor. First and foremost, I have to bring it up. It's the salary cap situation. And I understand that Jonathan Taylor's in the last year of his rookie contract. That plays in to the salary cap. The Buccaneers could probably free up enough room and, and create enough space to bring Jonathan Taylor in for this year. But he wants a contract and he wants to be compensated appropriately. As well he should. He deserves that. But we also know the Buccaneers salary cap situation is not good. Even next year. You have Devin White. You have Antoine Winfield Jr. You have Mike Evans. You have Baker Mayfield. If he pans out and, and is a really solid quarterback for this team, all these guys, contract years. You have money that's going to have to pay, be paid out to Tristan Wirfs sooner than later. And Rashad White puts this team on his back and is the RB1 that most of us hope and expect him to be. He's going to have to get paid sooner than later. You have uh, you have Shaq Barrett. You have Joe Tryon Shoyinka. You, know, you have Levante David, if you can bring him back for another year. You have a lot of players on this roster that need to be paid. The Buccaneers are not in a salary cap situation where they can afford to give Jonathan Taylor the contract that he's looking for. I wish they could. As much as I love Rashad White, I don't think I'm crazy for saying Jonathan Taylor is a better running back than Rashad White at this point in time. Let's see how Rashad does as a full season as the starter, as the guy in Dave Canales' offense. Then we can revisit that comment in five months. But Jonathan Taylor has to go somewhere that has the luxury of being able to pay a running back significant money on a second contract. And the Buccaneers flat out are not that team. If you're going to pursue Jonathan Taylor, it's going to cost you draft capital. And if you don't get an extension worked out ahead of time, now you're at risk of losing that draft capital and not getting any return on your investment outside of this year. I think Jonathan Taylor is more suited to go to teams probably in the NFC like the Minnesota Vikings would make a lot of sense. The Chicago Bears would make sense. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys. I know they really love Tony Pollard, and I think Tony Pollard's a fantastic running back, but if they have an opportunity to land Jonathan Taylor, maybe they take that up. I don't see really any of the teams in the NFC South really contending for him. 
He could end up in Arizona. For his sake, I hope not. Maybe the Rams want to give a give it a run. Um, you know, hoping that Matthew Stafford returns to form. They have Cooper Cup coming back. Maybe they decide that Jonathan Taylor is the way for them to go win the division. In the AFC, you're going to pay that that capital, that additional tax for being an AFC team. But I mean, good grief. He could end up with the Chiefs. He could end up with the Bengals. I mean, Jonathan Taylor for Joe Mixon, who says no? Uh, Bengals probably have to throw in a draft pick, but you know that could be a really interesting situation. Of course, you have to bring up the Buffalo Bills. I don't know their cap situation, but we're always talking about how they need a running back. But the more you look at the situation with Jonathan Taylor, the more you realize it does not make financial sense. It does not make long-term sense for the Buccaneers to pursue a trade for him, given the draft capital that they would have to give it up, give up the long-term ramifications of what that draft capital could turn into. And then of course the salary cap implications where if you go out and you, you trade for Jonathan Taylor, now you're stuck. You got to give him that long-term extension that could cost you Antoine Winfield jr. That could cost you Mike Evans. That could cost you Devin white or could cost you a combination of those guys plus probably a couple of other additional pieces. So I know people were going to bring it up. The idea is really exciting and really fun to think about. But when you break it down and take a look at the reality of the Buccaneers situation, it does not make any sense at all to pursue that trade. With that, I'm going to bid you all a fair adieu. Make sure that you are coming back tomorrow when I'm joined by Evan Klosky for WTSP Wednesday. But in the meantime, if you have questions, thoughts, reactions, ideas, topics, concerns, anything at all, of course, drop them in the YouTube comments or email us at LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at LockedOnBucks. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day, for making us part of your day, part of your routine. Make sure that you're checking out everything that I'm doing over at BucksNation.com and following on Twitter at JRCO underscore bucks hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day stay safe stay healthy fire the cannons want to thank you for joining me right here on locked on bucks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day 